Hey, River. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> How are you? Happy Friday. Happy, I know, it, but people are going to be listening to this on a Wednesday, but we're recording yes. on Friday. Yes. <laughs> so I am good. How are you? I'm excellent. I had a good productive, um, productive week, and I am always happy when I get to go grab my child today, so that's always good. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah. We're going, we're going on, um, we're going up to Utah. We're going to on a vacation. Mm. Fun. So, that'll yes. be exciting. So when the people hear this, it'll be the middle of the week with, um, so my vacation will be close to over, but it'll still, I'm sure I'll be having a great time. <laughs> out in the Utah heat. <laughs> um, it's actually only eighties and nineties there. So I'm going to be happy. Oh, that's not bad at all. It's like 60s <laughs> in the morning. I'm going to be, I'm going to be glorious. I, I might run around naked out there. No, I'm just kidding. You should do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many people want to see me naked, but yeah, no, my, my child, my, you know, my daughter, she'll be totally embarrassed. So it's all good. Yeah. Teenagers, man. <laughs> Almost teenagers. Oh my God, I know. She'll be 12 soon. Hey, so um what what did you want to talk about today? What what was what was the Yeah, so I think we should chat about who we are. I think we should give a little bit more context uh for people who don't know us because we have a lot of friends who listen to this podcast, but there's a lot of people starting to listen who don't know us. True. And they don't know who we are, what we do. They might have heard our friendship episode and heard about how we came to the space of becoming friends, but they have no clue who we are. So I think we should tell people who Michelle and River are. Um, do you know who I am? <laughs> Wait, who are Wait, who are you? Are we talking about me <laughs> on earth or me up in the ether? I'm <laughs> just kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh -huh. that's a whole other episode, <laughs> I think. With, with some yeah. of our guests. Yes. <laughs> that's an Angela session. That is, you know. <laughs> yeah, we have a few of those. Or Bailey, maybe Bailey. <laughs> yes. She's more of our uh, star connect, our star angel connection. Yes. <laughs> so do you want to go first? Because I think your life is way more fascinating than mine. Um, I would argue with that, but <laughs> <laughs> sure, I will go first. Okay. okay. So I was born in the Pacific Northwest, have lived in the Pacific Northwest most of my life. I am the oldest of six kids, um, four younger brothers, a sister. Um, I grew up in a cult when I was a kid. So a few, I got a few notes about that, by the way. And of course, my daughter oh. obsessed with wanting to know more about the river needs to talk about that. She needs to talk about that. But you talk about as much as or less, you know, whatever you want to talk about. But I, I find it fascinating. And I know others will too. Yeah, it's it's a whole um, podcast episode in of itself. And I've actually yep. done a couple of podcast interviews about it. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, from the time I was about seven years old until I was 16, I was raised in a religious cult. Um, and some of the markers of that cult where we, um, you were, you were not able to join this church uh, without being invited and groomed into it. Um, we met in someone's home or barns. 
Um, there were about 20 to 30 families involved in this. Um, and they consider themselves to be Christian, but they really borrowed a lot of beliefs from different types of religions. Um, so it was kind of just a giant smorgasbord. <laughs> so what was there, like, did they print out like a specific Bible or, I mean, like, what are you guys, or was so it, or was uh, it more like teachings? I mean, like. There, there was a pastor. Um, he was not an ordained pastor. He was a former science teacher who just decided to become a pastor one day. And people just kind of gathered around some very charismatic fellow. Um, they very closely aligned with, um, for anyone who follows like or understands religion and what this is, they followed um, Calvinism, which is kind of, um, think about like the pilgrims. <laughs> the pilgrims came over from England, like, that was kind of the era that this religion came from. So um, very anti-woman, very patriarchal. Um, women are not to be seen, to be heard. Children are not to be seen, to be heard. Um, very harsh. They believe that, you know, we only deserve death and punishment in life, that we don't know how to love each other and only God can love us. So it was just like a very harsh environment to grow up in, which was fascinating because I didn't believe any of it. <laughs> well, it's I just looked up Calvinism because I'm sure the people will be going to look at it. So I thought, oh, yeah. So yeah. It says, what is Calvinism in simple terms? The theological system of Calvin and his followers marked by strong emphasis on the sovereignty of God, the depravity of humankind, and the doctrine of predestination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's resonating yeah. when I say your eyes yeah. lit up. Yes. Yeah. So they believed, and we were told when I was growing up that God had chosen us to be his followers. Hmm. but also the church had the right and the responsibility to cut you off from God hmm. if you didn't align with the beliefs. And that's what happened to me when I turned 16. I was, I essentially vocalized. I didn't share the beliefs. Right. And I wasn't interested in going to church anymore. I stopped going to church. Um, and I was excommunicated from the organization and kicked out of my family's home. Okay, that's a lot. I have a couple. Yeah. Of, <laughs> I, have a, I have a couple of questions. Like very simple. Like, okay, verse Mormon, not cult Mormon. I, I don't want anyone to like kick down the door. I have a lot of friends who are former ex Mormons, former Mormons. Do you did you did the fan did your family have to give a percentage of like Mormon like of their of their earnings was there like it's it's called tithing and most tithing, most yeah, church tithing. organizations do that most religious organizations have some form of tithing mm -hmm. um whether it's baptist mormon catholic there there's tithing is involved in most religious organizations but yes we did um a large percentage of it i started my first job at age 15 and I was giving about 20% of my paycheck to the pastor of the church at age 15. <laughs> yeah. So it was, and we can deep dive this in another yeah, we episode. Will. We totally know, will. Like, there's so much to this, but in a nutshell, that was my experience. Um, 
And so then I was at 16, almost 17 years old, ejected from my family and from the environment I had grown up in, um, from my siblings. I Part of excommunication is that you are not allowed to speak to your family or be around them. And so I went from essentially being a parent to my siblings to having zero existence in their life. How did that feel? And I mean, you was seen. How did that? How did you? It was. Rest? Yeah. It was kind of. It was. It was traumatic for me because my family was very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the loss of that had a huge impact on my life for a very long time. I'm happy to say that. Now I am reconnected with several of my siblings and my dad, and that's wonderful. So I'm happy to have that. But that was my experience. Um, So then I was this almost 17-year-old floating around, working several jobs to take care of myself. I was living with friends on their couches, their parents' homes, until I was 18 and could get my own apartment. (laughs) And from there, I lived in my hometown for a little while until I moved to Portland, Oregon. Um, where I spent several years. I started going to college. um, And my life has just kind of been a whirlwind of experiences and adventures from there on. I spent most of my 20s in Portland. I moved back to my hometown in rural Oregon for a summer and ended up staying much longer than I anticipated. Met my kid's dad and got married and had kids. Wow. And here I am today. <laughs> that's that's nuts. Well, yeah, I, 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 for one, can't wait to deep dive because I'll be hearing a lot of it for the first time, like a lot of other people, because mm-hmm. it's just something we haven't, you know, discussed in a sense, because it's, it made you who you are today, but um, it's not always a, an enjoyable conversation, but um, yeah, it'll, I, I, I look forward to understanding it a lot more for sure it's a topic I enjoy discussing because the more I talk about it the more I find there are other people who've had similar experiences and so I have done enough healing work for myself around the topic that I feel good talking about it so I look forward to sharing more about that (laughs) yeah that would be that'll be an interesting one I wonder if any of your siblings would come on maybe maybe I'll have to ask them I know you just never know until we ask yeah yeah it'll that'll be fascinating um wow yeah but now I I live in rural Oregon and I go back and forth between my hometown and Portland Oregon where I work I'm a photographer and a coach for women and I work primarily tell tell, tell me about your life you know tell the people about your life coaching um business and sort of the direction you want to go into because I think it's I mean it's very it it is the podcast, right? It's, it's, it's all the same kind of intention. Yeah. It, it emerged recently for me. I have been a photographer for 10 years. I'm a very creative person. Um, if I'm not creating, I don't want to do it. (laughs) That's my motto in life. Do that. Um, self-employed entrepreneur. I've always been that way. Um, So in the process of running my photography business for 10 years, what I've done primarily um, for most of it, as I've done empowerment and boudoir photography with women and people of all identities, 
And what I've found in the process of doing that was that I was essentially working as a coach in those situations, helping people work through trauma, work through self-expression, work through connecting back to their bodies and finding um, love and appreciation for themselves. And then I also found that as I was going through my divorce, somehow most of my clients ended up being people who were also going through divorces or um, sexual identity journeys and just, or shitty dating experiences. (laughs) So I what I did as a photographer was so much more than being just a photographer. Mm -hmm. I was working with people closely, coaching them. And it felt more like therapy. I had my sessions or my clients telling me that the sessions felt like therapy sessions when they were coming out of it. Therapeutic. Yeah. that's Yeah. And so then I recently just graduated from college as a single parent and looking, yeah. And looking at my next steps, I, I wanted um, to go to grad school. That's the next step for me. Um, and as I started considering what that might look like, um, I really want to get into therapy, become a therapist, but specifically an art therapist and, and work with my clients with art modalities to heal trauma and work through body image issues. Um, and grad school is a little way out, ways out for me, single parent, that's a goal, you know, but in the meantime, coaching people was already happening yeah and that just emerged for me as a logical next step so I am new to this but moving in that direction and it is lighting me up and I already have some wonderful amazing clients I'm working with and it just has like lit me up in a way that feels like yeah this is my soul calling right here I love that and I'll put we'll put your uh your website in the you know in the in the show notes today too. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, Instagram, of course, as always, and you know, they can, if someone curious and wants to uh, chat with you further, you know, yeah, I'm always happy to connect. I know. Cause you know, every, every week people will have an opportunity to feel like they'll get, they'll start getting to know you more. And, you know, if, if you resonate with them, then people are more likely to lean in and, and into their own soul calling. Right. Cause that's the whole yeah. thing is like the reason why we sort of started this podcast is, is I just wanted women to feel really safe and feel like they have a space to, um, you know, be the, be there, be in their truth, be authentic in their life, not give a shit what other people think. Women apologize way too fucking much. Period. So much. So Why much, I, and we need I, to stop. I bump it. Someone bumps into me, and I say sorry. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, so I stopped doing that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I literally, if it's a guy, I now go, oh, okay, thanks for that. You know? <laughs> I love instead that. of saying sorry. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Especially when I'm around my daughter, I find mm. that, yeah, I, I just find that. I'm more aware of those moments of like not apologizing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Living, living unapologetically. And um, that's something for me that took a long time to learn and integrate. And once I did, I was like, wow, (laughs) not raising my daughter that way. I mean, so many of my friends say, sorry, sorry, sorry. So like, even in a conversation with me, 
I'm like, mm-hmm. stop apologizing. You did mm-hmm. nothing wrong to apologize. And it's more of just being used as a, well, you know, yeah. oh, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, but it's like, I apologize for that. And like, you didn't do anything wrong. So it's just yeah. women the permission to be like, oh, okay, yeah, shit happens. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the comments we've gotten already is that people are feeling seen listening mm-hmm. to this. I know. I love and, it. And I love like facilitating a space where people can feel seen. Women can feel seen and heard and, and resonate with, oh, I've also experienced that. And that's such a cool thing. It is. It's nice to, nice to listen and and everyone's, you know, we got a few other people saying like, they just feel like they literally are on like a three-way call with us in a sense, but, but they're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm only, I'm like imagining people like answering, like I kind of do when I'm listening to a podcast. I'm like, oh yeah, that was funny. Or like, oh yeah, that resonates, you know, like I'm answering them, but it's um, talking to the phone screen. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or just, I'm just or at the gym or whatever. And I'm listening to, yeah. I'm like nodding my head or whatnot, but. Um, so, so now that I've shared about myself, yeah. it's now your turn. Oh, I would love to hear about, because I know bits and pieces, but I don't know like the whole timeline here. That's kind of <laughs> true. So um, I was born in Wichita Falls, Texas on an air force mm. base. My dad was in the air force. He was a captain and in communications, because we talked about him being in radio and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was communications. And my mom, there's some funny stories, which I'm sure my mom will be happy to share on a podcast one of these days. But um, yeah, my brother, I have two brothers. One is my younger brother, Kenny, who um, he was also born on the Air Force Base. And then we moved to back, we moved to where all the family was, which was in LA, California. Mm. Um, so, and then my mom still lives in our house that we grew up in, in Sherman Oaks. Oh, wow. Oh, so I grew so up cool. and I, yeah, I have a very tight circle of friends from that whole area from elementary school mm. to junior high to high school. And people still drive by our street and, and know that my mom still lives there. And so they'll text me and go, I saw your mom's car in the driveway or, you know, next time you're in town, people love coming to the house because we had so many parties at that house because my parents, as we know, because I said it recently to, in one of, um, I think in the last podcast that, you know, my, my parents got divorced when I was nine. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of alone time within that. But what I didn't mention, which was when my other, my, my youngest, my youngest brother, uh, he's 16 years younger than me. My stepmom and my dad had him and he's one of my all time favorite human beings. And, uh, so he, they had Joey and I lived with them for two years while, Mm. while he was, you know, born and really got to bond with him and hang out. But my whole family uh, growing up, like my cousins are more like siblings and, mm. you know, our very tight Jewish family, Passover, 30, 30 to, you know, 30 people. And my dad would do this whole fun introduction about, around everyone. Like, okay, so we started with 
you know, Jack and Seal, my grand, my grandparents, and he'd go around <laughs> the whole table saying how everyone connected, you know, to. Oh, um, that's cute. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a salesperson. Like I grew up, uh, I went into the air force myself. I went in, I was, I played tennis in college, got scholarships, but I ended up wanting to go into the air force. So I dodged that after I got, um, an A in psychology and was in Bakersfield. And I was like, why am I up here in Cal State Bakersfield? Like it smells like farm, you know, <laughs> I could smell the dairy cows, you know, out my, <laughs> out my window. Um, and I just felt like at that moment, and I, I guess this is sort of, you know, kind of who, who, like how I made myself in a sense was, when I went into the military, my one thought was, well, great, I have some college. And I was, you know, it was desert storm. It was during that time. It was also don't ask, don't tell. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting time to be in the Air Force. And I felt a lot of pride in that. But the one thing that really resonated for me or that I learned very quickly was that whatever energy and whatever goodness I put out in that environment, like in boot camp, I got back immediately. And it was mm. a really great gift where I wasn't being handed anything. Like I earned every little accolade or I earned every next step, you know? And it's because I did it myself. Like there's going to mm. be no one else to do those 20 push ups but me. Yeah. Like you learn real quick how to fold underwear and it's all, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a science to all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about paying attention um, and really being critical of like this step, like this action is a reaction, you know, that kind of thing. Like, mm. And also, you know, just learning the pecking order of things in the military and what we can't do and who we can't talk to and, all that sort of interesting stuff. But I got the opportunity during boot camp to um, try out for uh, the canine, you know, Air Force canine. Mm. And it was really cool. Then I had to talk like I was talking to a dog. So I'm like, your leg becomes the dog. And you're like, hello, baby puppy, you ready to work? (laughs) You ready to bite someone's head off? You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so it was really fun. So after, after a uh, boot camp, I uh, went to law enforcement. Uh, they call it, they call it, they're like trade schools, trades, you know? Mm-hmm. So then mm-hmm. you go, you stay in San Antonio, Texas, which was mother effing humid to, uh, as all get out and you're in your uniform and you're just sweating. I think I lost 36 pounds in six weeks. I sweat. Wow. And you don't have time to eat. Cause they're like, Nope. Just mm-hmm. grab that roll and keep going, you know, and I have some funny ass stories from, from then, but let's just say the female drill sergeants enjoyed me. Let's just say that they thought I was fun. I, I can, was, I my, can see that. My nickname I can see that. was airman hot stuff. Cause there was what? another flame airman flamer in my boot camp. Oh, what are the odds of that? Zero. Zero, like, I'm like, we were stunned. So they called her Airman Flamer and they called me Airman Hot Stuff. Luckily, I knew I was gay already by this point, but like, hello. 
Because oh. you came out at 19, 19, right? Exactly. Yeah. I came out at 19. So it was like 21 when I went into the military. And so, yeah. So, and then because I had college, I actually led my canine class. So law enforcement, then canine. And it was all dudes. It was the Department of Defense teaches mm. this for the Air Force. So you get taught by, it's like $100,000 for each of us to go through this program. So you get to meet different dogs. And I, you know, we, we learn bomb handling, we learn detection handling, we learn how to scout, you know, if people are running um, and just basic obedience. And these dogs are just so brilliant. They're, they're, they've been trained so well. Um, they teach mm. us everything we need to know, but they're also just so loving and sweet. So it was fun. So I had department of defense, um, which is DEA usually mm-hmm. army, Air Force, uh, Navy, and the Marines. And I got to wear a red rope. And and you wear berets in canine school. I mean, mm. we, we look badass, right? <laughs> I'm the one that's chanting, you know, you know, you know, get get centered there, people. So they they were all very nice. The boy, the men were very good with me, and they didn't make me work too hard. But sometimes mm. they were jerks. But again, it just teaches you like, I have to stand here and I have to have a presence about me and I can't mm. be apologizing left and right. Or these guys are going to eat, eat my whole personality for lunch. Right. They're just going to like take advantage of me and all that sort of stuff. So they were all very respectful. Um, and I felt really pretty damn good about myself and mm. it was really fun. It was a really interesting experience. And because women didn't go to war, you, mm-hmm. I, I had to say stateside. I did get, I thought I was going to Iraq, but they just were pulling your job. They just needed another canine handler. They didn't, they didn't look and see if it was male or female at the time. So gotcha. And, and some people think I'm Michael Flamer, you know, which is my dad's name, but um, you know, sometimes that happens, but they, they rectified that pretty quick. Otherwise mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to be in a burqa all day long if I had gone. Mm-hmm. But they weren't letting women go to war at that point. So women soldiers were, were you know, we stayed stateside or, or, I mean, different countries and stuff, just not in the wartime. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I just, I started my own dog training business for 10 years. And then after that, joined, you know, started joining the workforce and got into sales. And I never actually worked in an office ever in my whole career. So when COVID happened, everyone was freaking out and having to work remote. I was like, well, I'm, I'm been there been doing that you know that kind of (laughs) was already your your routine (laughs) Uh uh-huh so it was fun but I had a sales consulting business for over 15 years and managed multiple uh companies uh have made amazing amount of friends across the country with over probably I don't know 600 trade shows underneath my belt or something crazy I was doing Mm. 23 a year for a long time And yeah. And I, and it just talk about lit up. Like I freaking love trade shows. It just, I get to be around people and talk to people all day. So COVID hit me pretty hard. Actually. I was, I, this, this big joyful hugger, you know, didn't get to hug anybody for 18 months, almost two years. And it was really hard, but um, yeah. But then in 2020, I pivoted to e-commerce and that's where I am now. And so I, I really like it. It's, it's a really, it's a cool industry. 
And it has allowed me to enjoy being a beginner again. Mm. Um, so I really like that, but I think, um, yeah, it's just been, it's just, it's been a good life in that sense, but, um, growing up in, yeah. And you're in Arizona now. I'm in Arizona now. We were in Portland for 11 years, came here. And so we're back here now. And Mm -hmm. since the kid likes it, we'll stay. And when she graduates college, I'm peace out. Bye. I know. So, hey, hold hold that thought. We're going to be right back after this moment. Okay. So, yeah, when Caden goes to college, peace out. <laughs> I just miss, you know, I, I just find myself really still drawn very much to the Northwest and or Colorado or, mm-hmm. or, or like Vermont, like somewhere. I just want to a frame. I just want to like hole up in an a frame. If some, if, if some unsuspecting lovely woman wants to join me, fantastic. <laughs> unsuspecting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying if my person hopefully wants to join me at that point, like I don't have a person now, obviously, but in yeah. the future, my future person, if yeah. they want to join me, that's kind of, I, I want, I want to have like a very simple lifestyle, beautiful in the woods and just all about peace. And then, and I mean, then it just allows you to travel. I mean, I'm I'm happy to spend a month here and there, like if I'm working remote still, or if I'm retired, like it's all good. Yeah. I would love to be like my ideal Mm-hmm. where I'd really like to be is I would love to be living out of a camper van. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, what was so on the road. I saw that photo the other day, um, I, yesterday with, or with Michelle and yeah, our, our friend she Michelle, lives out yeah. of her bus. Yeah. 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 Very sweet that I saw the two and I was like, oh, but that's, yeah, she's living that lifestyle. Maybe you'll buy hers. Who knows? We were talking yesterday and she was like, you need a van. I'm like, I do need a van. I need with how much I travel, I need a van that's set up for me to sleep in, work in, live in. Um, and if I had to settle in one place, I would be on the Oregon coast. Like that's where I would be. That's that where just, my that's where my heart is. is called to. That's where I'm creatively called to. Mm-hmm. The entire like Washington, Oregon coastline down to the redwoods, like that whole stretch for me is just feels like home when let's I'm there man, let's manifest a live out loud camper van yeah if anybody wants to donate it to us we will we will talk about them and their business and and then <laughs> this way we could podcast like all over the country I think that would be so freaking fun like just yes, every please. now and then just pick up and go and then you can just enjoy it yes Yes, I would love that. <laughs> okay, so any awesome future sponsors want to that might be an RV company, we are open to that. <laughs> yeah, or like, hey, Mercedes, if you want to send us a sprinter. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'd, I'd, Big I'd, dreaming over here. <laughs> Cooper would love that, would love that. So yeah, no, it's, um, it's fascinating. Is there anything from your childhood? Cause I was, and I'll share why it was kind of resonating for me when I was talking about my dad and, mm-hmm. you know, my grandfather really, really instilled so much 
of like who we all are, I think, you know, into, at least to me in my veins around, you know, shaking people's hands and looking them in the mm. eye or, or selling, you know, with the sense of humor and working with people and building relationships. And, you know, cause he worked for Esquire shoe polish back in the forties and fifties. And oh, wow. Wow. It was, it's, and he wrote a book actually. It's, you can mm. buy it through Amazon. It's called How the Old Man Sold It Faster with Laughter. Ooh, that sounds good. And I feel like Jack Flamer, my, my, my papa, you know, my, my papa Jack, he, and then my dad was in sales. I mean, it's just in my blood, but yeah. I love the stories around, which really were relevant for me. And um, at the time that I was working with all of these sales groups across the country. And after he passed away, I'm going to tell you like the first couple of trade shows, I would almost cry because I used to call him mm. and share with him like, Hey, we met with this one group and we, you know, we went to HEB or we went to, you know, we went to Wegmans or public, like whatever grocery store you want to name, insert Kroger, whatever. Um, and then this is, this is what happened. And he said, oh, great. Like he, we would talk through strategize. And then he'd tell me a story about how, which always made me laugh. You know how your grandmother knew I was still alive on the road because they didn't have cell phones at all back mm -hmm, then. Like, mm -hmm. Growing up, I didn't have cell phones, but like how, like doing my job now, like not being able to FaceTime my kid or, you know, like being away and then being able to call her a text or whatever he would, he would call her collect. And so my grandmother who lived in Pittsburgh, at the, they lived in Pittsburgh, uh, he would, she would pick up the phone, go, Jack, you alive? And she, and, <laughs> and he go, yep, I'm alive. Okay. I, I will not accept the call because it was so expensive. To that's, accept, that's like funny. A, a call, you know, like, wow, it's, it's so fascinating. And then she wouldn't hear from him for another week or so, but Hey, you alive. Okay, good. I mean, that's just, wow. What a different time. Marriage in the, yeah. In the late yeah. 50s and early fifties. Like that's what happened when you're a traveling salesman, really. Wow. Wow. I, I'd be so curious to read his book. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, I have a copy. I can give it to you. I can loan it yeah, to you yeah, anytime. I, it's, it's actually just, he, and I use a lot of that old fashioned language. Like he regales us with these stories. Mm. Right? And I just, there's a lot about, I hung out a lot with my grandparents and my other, my mother's mom, um, my nanny, she was the mystical one. She was like, mm. she had long hair, like Rita Coolidge down to her butt. And what wow. she would do is she'd flip it over. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, I mean, your hair is not quite that long, but you can still flip it over. Mm -hmm. In the middle, of the, like and like to say goodnight to us, she'd like crawl, peek through it <laughs> to like scare the hell out of us. My brother, oh got my scared. god, that's crazy. I'd be like, Grandma, don't do that to us. But she <laughs> used to have outer body experiences. She would astral wow. travel. She was like that spiritual woo woo stuff that I freaking loved. And and then she tell you about this as a child. So you like you were familiar with this. This was not a, like a new concept. She was sharing no. all of this with you. That's a hundred percent. I mean, my mom had books like on Leo Buscaglia and people can look him up, but like, mm -hmm. and, and other spiritual books, but that was like, I'm 11 and 12 understanding like astral 
travel and floating mm. in your dreams and like it wasn't too much, but now I wish I would have asked her so many more questions. Oh man, I know. And, and then my mom's bookshelf was filled with self-help and of the eight, you know, early eighties when it was just barely getting started. And I was like reading all these books. And I think it's just my quest for understanding my place in this world. And I'm going to say something right now that's pretty profound. It's like, I finally realized why I'm here. Mm. And it's kind of cool and kind of crazy, but I finally, and it was when I was 11 and my dad and I were in line at a post office. Um, and I just remember just, we were just messing. He was just, we just always giggled and had fun together. And this therapist, this gal who we now know is a therapist, but um, she turned around and just said, your daughter is like an old soul. And he said, mm. people have said that before. And she said, you know, why do you think you were on this earth? She just asked me this while we're sitting in line for a post office. And I was like, to help people. That was mm. it. That's all I said to her is to help people. And my mantra through my career, like for dog training, it was to help people understand their pets better. And so, so that mm -hmm. the dogs could have like a really good quality of life and they could enjoy them. And then when I started my own consulting business, it was to help companies grow because that mm -hmm. was good for them. And then it's, you know, and then it's just to help friends grow. And now it's to help women understand things and to, to give people a voice and speak your truth and feel valued and, you know, and not give a shit what other people think and not, and yeah. stop saying sorry. And, but I realized the other day I was listening to, I was listening to Luke. I was listening to Luke, my empower uh, podcast that dude freaking we love me. Luke my we love us some Luke <laughs> anyways we'll tag him in this and um it's just one of those things where he was just saying you know finding your value finding who you are and walking in this this path and I just realized like profoundly I am here to literally share about love loving people loving mm. what you do loving who you are it doesn't matter. It's like, it's just, you know, and, and I know we mentioned this quite a bit, but I've been told several times already that, um, I'm here as a sage of love. Like mm -hmm. I'm here to promote and be love, like come from love. Everything I do just has to walk in and be about love. And that, yeah, that just feels like, there's something really, I almost want to, I, I could tear up a little bit, but just knowing sort of your purpose in this world, because we're only here for such a short time. And why do we want to fucking waste it? Like I love, I've said yes to so many things in my life and, and Cooper saying, yes, <laughs> he just stood up. It was so cute. And, popping uh, his head up over the couch he's adorable uh -huh. and I know we keep talking about like this is definitely the year of yes for us right like we're yeah. just leaning in saying yes saying yes to life coaching saying yes to helping people find the find like for you like feeling good in their body like you just loving photo, photo photographing these people and when they see themselves how you mm -hmm. see them afterwards like and just like expressing that to friends right and how my mm -hmm. circle is getting closer and smaller because I just want to embrace that deliciousness of, of the people that I'm around and then say, 
fuck everything else. It's so good. Like, you know, uh, I'm getting chills. I'm just like listening to you and getting chills. I know, it's, <laughs> but it is, it's like a really good feeling mm-hmm. because, and I know you and I, the reason why we said yes to this is because we have, we took a pivot. Like all yeah. of a sudden you and I were like, oh, this is, this is where we're supposed to be. Yes. Yes. And that's been the theme of my life recently as well. Of I have always known what I was here to do. I was born knowing what I was here to do. The problem and challenge for me was owning it. Yeah. Because I grew up in a space where women weren't allowed to make waves. And I am very much that person who is here to make waves. I am here to nudge people. I am here to shake them out of mm-hmm. whatever they have just been sitting in for so long and shake them out of it and inspire them to take action towards their own calling. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. But claiming that and owning that has I'm taken a, a really now. long Seriously, time. Can you, yeah. you can't yeah, see and- the hair on my uh, oh, <laughs> I'm just standing up a little bit. And it's so fascinating because like I truly believe that I like my soul I signed up for so many of the challenges I've gone through in my life I signed up for them because they up leveled me yep they made me who I am today and Mm -hmm. I could not help and nudge other people and relate to other people and hold safe space for other people if I hadn't experienced the things I've experienced in life well that's what makes us up the thing that thing that makes us conscious or not conscious though right okay stick with Mm -hmm. me for two seconds is basically not understanding that about yourself Mm -hmm. right it's like we're not understanding why all these things happen to us or taking ownership over that right Mm -hmm. taking responsibility for why my life might not be going in in the direction that I want it to. Oh, we have to look at self, which is super scary for a lot of people. Super scary. Not for me, for whatever reason, I've always been good at just saying, yeah, I, I own that. I suck. This, this is happening, but I, because it's always about pushing myself through to that that, Mm -hmm. that next level. Like we're just like, you were just Mm -hmm. talking about like up leveling and leveling up is so much freaking fun like it is it and, is. and not being really scared is. of being in the dirt and then in the ickiness and because that's life like that moment when we thought we're gonna get a divorce like that's probably the ickiest moment of, or a breakup or like or even something like you have to talk about something that you you're not comfortable about with your parent or whatever it is it's mm-hmm. like all those little things but god I just love I love how I feel when I get, when I push through it and get on the other side. When you view your trials and tribulations in life through the lens of not being a victim, but being a participant and you are able to view them as a learning opportunity, no matter how shitty it is. I mean, I, I have been through some shitty things in life. I was, you know, raised in a cult. I've had abusive relationships. I have been through some shit. And I didn't have control over many of those situations. And so in a way, they, yes, they happened to me, 
Mm-hmm. But how I learned from it and how I processed it and healed it was my choice. Don't you think they happen for you though? I I hesitate to say that sometimes yeah. be, because yes, I do. Like for me, yes, I do think that. But I think it's a hard phrase for people to hear because so many people have situations that happen to them that are super shitty, like yeah. abuse, like spousal true, abuse, true. like things that have happened where true. it's really hard to look at it as something that happened for you because yeah, it was yeah. outside of your control. And that, that makes can be sense. such a hard mindset. Mm-hmm. And so I hesitate to say that because yes, if you choose to grow from that, in a sense, yes, it happened for you. But it also happened to you and it was outside of your control in some situation, in many situations. Well, well, definitely. I think what you're saying with the abuse and even domestic violence and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff, it's like you're in those situations and we are not licensed there. Like, I want to be clear, like we're not here to to (laughs) preach all of that and, and, and the things that are super scary behind that, but it did happen to them. I think you're right about that, but it's. But I think later on, when I talk to some of those survivors, they are so strong and they're like, it yeah. happened for me because now that they're on the out, like years later, they can really yeah. look at it and they relish in the sweetness of life now because that happened to them that they might not otherwise have seen or felt or appreciated whatever that is for them in that moment mm-hmm. that they're able to go, yeah, I can appreciate that more because of that. Plus it gives them a whole slew of empathy, right? For anybody going through something. But different. but how you how you approach that is entirely determined on your mindset. If you have a growth mindset, yep, you can integrate that. You can yeah. see it that way. But if you have a victim mindset that yeah. you can't get out of, you're never going to see it that way. So It's all about perspective and the lens that you approach it from. So when people are in a situation, wherever they are, like maybe it's a job they don't like, maybe it's Mm -hmm. a marriage they're not happy with, or even just, you know, like they're dating somebody and they don't know how to get out of it. Do you feel like it's, it's their own belief that they're stuck? Like they're stuck in their own belief, or do you think they're just Kind yeah, I, I think that we're, we are only as stuck as we allow ourselves to be. Yeah. And for some people, it takes a rock bottom nudge. Mm-hmm. Losing everything. Mm-hmm. A bad divorce, whatever it might be. Bankruptcy, it, whatever. Bankruptcy. It takes a rock bottom nudge. And for other people, the nudges are smaller. Mm-hmm. But there's all like everyone that you talk to who has had a journey of growth mm-hmm. has had some kind of big nudge that happened. A moment in time that they can pinpoint where <laughs> they hit some kind of rock bottom or they thought they were stuck and they got shaken out of that. So you knew what you kind of wanted to do all these years. What was the nudge for you? Or do you remember even something within your family? Like I told you about my grandfather and sort of how that sort of shaped me into mm-hmm. you know, like knowing who I was and that's it, knowing what I wanted to do or whatnot. But is there a time for you or a place or? A... It's been, it's been an entire lifeline of nudges. Yeah. I love that. Um, 
it's been a lifeline of nudges and also like redirection of, hey, you've, you've unaligned. <laughs> you've unaligned with your path. I'm mm-hmm. going to gently or not so gently nudge you back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can pinpoint many times that that's happened over the course of my life from, you know, meeting someone who prompted me to leaving the cult and um, just all along my journey and up, you know, my divorce process, I, I spent almost nine years with the person that I married um, the entire time knowing it wasn't going to work out, but mm-hmm. being unable to make the decision to mm-hmm. leave mm-hmm. until a nudge came along that just, I couldn't ignore it any longer. Yeah. And I had to, I had to listen. Yeah, those nudges are, those nudges can be a motherfucker sometimes. <laughs> they, can, they can be a giant motherfucker or they can be like a tiny, like the title of a news article while you're standing in the grocery store reading the <laughs> terrible magazines on the side of you're the right. register. You're you know, right. It, there's so many ways that nudges can happen. I know for me, my, like the big nudge for me with my divorce was I was on the Oregon coast and I was on this beach that I loved and I kept getting messages like, not messages from people, but I kept getting like internal messaging, like you need to go to this beach. You need to go to this beach and things lined up for me to go to this one beach. And as I was walking down the beach, I saw this absolutely gorgeous couple taking photos of each other with a vintage camera. And I just thought in my head, I just have this feeling that they're going to talk to me. And sure enough, they came over and asked if I would take a picture of them with their camera. Mm -hmm. I did. And then I walked away and I got this nudge. I just... I felt like I needed to go back and ask them if I could photograph them. Mm-hmm. And I did. And we ended up spending an entire hour together hanging out God, um, I love those and moments. they modeled for me and, and the energy and the connection that they had and the chemistry they had yeah. and how respectful and sweet the man was and how he treated mm-hmm. her. It was a giant nudge for me of this is what I'm fucking missing. God. And from- that day I made my decision. I'm getting divorced. I'm done. Yeah. You're like, I deserve that. That's what I want in my life. I know. It's a good, mm-hmm. it's a good nudge. And if I hadn't listened to that nudge of going to the beach, if I had just continued on my trip and not stopped at that particular beach, I never would have had that scenario happen. The mm-hmm. nudge would have found me in another way at some other point in time. But when you are meant to meet people, you are, I mean, that just it shows us, you know, when the universe says it literally is all there for you, mm-hmm. everything you ever desired, ever wanted in your life, mm-hmm. the only time we don't get what we want is when ego steps in and the yes. human and that humanness of us, not the spiritual being, but the humanness of us brings out every trauma, every belief, every you're not good enough said over the years Mm -hmm. and basically at that point says hey enjoy your shit show human and you can either listen to that and believe that moment or you can say "Uh -uh, I know I know there's there's more to this life I desire more from this life I am only going to expect more from this life and the bigger mm-hmm. and the bigger we allow ourselves to dream and allow ourselves to facilitate, whether it's through 
new person that we meet or a date we go on because there was some kind of nudge, right? Or um, saying yes to a specific job. And then you meet all these amazing humans that are at that job. And part of the reason why I said yes was because you just felt this, you know, you're leaning into the warmth of it all, right? Yeah. So it's unbelievable where yeah. you just, you just got to go with it. We get in our own way. We get on our own way. And the beauty about humanity is that there's always a nudge that comes along and helps you get out of your own way. If you're open to it, if you listen to it and it can be another human, it can be your intuition. It can be human. It can be messaging. It can be a sign. Mm-hmm. There's always an opportunity to get or out an of your Instagram own way. quote that slaps you in the face. Yeah. Breaking so social media. I mean, social media, you can either look at it for what it is and make it, you know, follow, unfollow people that don't fill you up or not. But the universe is always paying attention is what we're basically saying. Yeah. Yeah. And if you open yourself up to it and just pay attention, it's there. It's pretty special. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, but I think staying open saying yes more and not being afraid to use your voice. I think people will be, women especially, will be very pleasantly surprised what happens when they're, when they're standing in their truth. Like you just can't Uh say something to say something just to be like, you know, um, whatchamacallit, what, what is it like when, when you're just saying it to say it just to be Faking it till you make it. I yeah, don't know. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, people people can still read bullshit, you know. Yeah, they so can. They can important. see you if you're being inauthentic. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think it's important to just. I mean, you know, our, from our childhood to now, and here we are, you know, chatting on our podcast. It's like, it's uh, it's all pretty cool, and it, it makes us who we are today. So I, I I'm. Thanks for letting us share today. I'm, I didn't know if I was going to be happy about this or not, but I, I really enjoyed the whole process of learning more about where you came from and who you are. And I mean, it just makes you that much more special to me. Same friend. This has been a truly wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed it. I know as always. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening and subscribing and thank you everybody for the notes we've been getting, right? I mean, yes. And if you, if you have subscribed on whichever podcast platform you're listening to and you are enjoying this, drop us a review. I'd love to be able to like read a review on the podcast. That'd be so much fun. So like, we'd love to hear your feedback. It would be fun. And I am so excited that we're going to have some guests, more guests soon. And, uh, this way people will hear from some of our cool, cool people that we know and some we, we don't and, you know, get to explore that together. But man, these, these, some of these women are just, I mean, all of them are extraordinary in their own right. So they are truly going to get better and better. Thank you. Love you. Thank you, friend. Love you. Thank you all. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,